welcome back to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're family lawyers, helping you move through the six Divorced and Done steps to navigate your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. Everything we talk about in this program is for your information, but it is not legal advice or legal opinion of any kind. Darren Schmidt, it's Saturday morning. It's good to see you, and I'd normally ask you how you're doing, but you and I have talked. I know it finally got you. The big deal the last two years, unfortunately, you have COVID. How are you doing? I do have COVID. I've tested positive, and I've been at home now for a little while. And so I'm okay. I've I've gone through the series of symptoms that they sort of say you'll get. So you sort of have a fever, you have a cough, you have the stuffy nose. Um, but unlike other colds or flus that you might get, of course, with COVID, you lose your sense of uh, taste and smell. So I'm starting to get that back now. And maybe it's a blessing in disguise based on how I cook anyway, that no one could taste what I was eating, but my wife also has COVID. So we were just sort of eating porridge and she keeps eating something she calls <laughs> onion soup. And I don't what? know, I don't know what it is. It's out of a package. And I'm like, are you eating French onion soup? She's like, no, it's insane. onion soup. Are you just boiling oh. an onion? That sounds disgusting, but. Um, Why? You have no taste. I guess I could. Re- well, you do. You have a bit of taste. So. I was watching. Uh, <clears throat> I was watching hockey the other night because, of course, the uh, playoffs were on. Go Flames! And Absolutely. So um, I did have a beer. I had a Guinness, and it was weird. I could sort of, I like the texture of the beer. I could tell it was a dark beer, but other than that, I was like, "What? What am I even drinking?" And that's when I started all realized, the carbs ah. and none of the flavor. <laughs> yeah, just carbo loading. Watching the Flames beat the Oilers, which I was uh, happy for, but. No, it's good. Um, if anyone listening's had COVID and gone through it, they know what I'm I'm going through. But I'm good enough to be sitting here. So well, I'm glad you're okay and on the mend. And of course, we wish you and your wife well. But let's roll into some questions. This week we got more questions. We have um, a host of them sent to us by email. Of course, you can send them to us to our Gmail account, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com, or always we welcome the voicemail messages through speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. Links are in the show notes. As always, we keep you anonymous. We don't reveal your identity as we get your questions. So feel free to send those to us. First one this week comes to us by email. Fairly straightforward. The listener says, how do I get a court or court to order a psychological for the children to prove that the children are being influenced? Thanks. I think the listener is asking about a voice of the child, hear the child, uh, practice note seven report, whatever it might be called, wherever you are. Um, And this is a report pertaining to, um, I think, an expert report. I think what this listener is hinting at is an expert report uh, interviewing the child or children to determine whether or not uh, they are being influenced or possibly alienated from the listener by their ex-spouse. So, Rob, what do you think? I, I think you gave a great summary there. Um, we have talked about this before. When children's children's views or voices can be ascertained and included in the process at any point in time, and there is broadly an obligation on the court to consider children's views and voices if they're brought into the process. For this listener, however, though, 
that says he wants this report to just prove the children are being influenced. I want to roll back and say, why do you want this? What is going on in your family law matter right now? Have you just separated? Have you been separated for a long time? When was the last court order granted on your matter? What does your parenting look like right now? And the reason I say those things, because when we bring children's voices into the process, we're not required to do it. This is optional. We don't need this in every process. But if the children's voices are brought into the process by a psychologist report, by a counselor's report, or if the children have their own lawyer, it invariably will slow down the process. And you may or may not like what comes back in that report, because that report isn't always going to be focused on one side or the other. There may be problems for both mom and dad in that report that make both parents look maybe a little better, maybe a little worse. And number one, it will slow that process down. So if the listener is looking for this report as to say, this is the slam dunk, I'm the best parent, he or she is the worst parent in the world, you're likely not going to get that. So think about where your parenting matter is, how well are you working with your ex, how long you've been separated for, what is the court saying as next steps, do we need more litigation, or can the two of you work together? Have you had any real opportunities to try and talk to each other about what you should be doing for your children. Furthermore, how old are your children? If your children are very young, uh, less than 10, maybe we get those reports. Those reports are actually more valuable when they're 12 to 15, because by that point in time, children have a bit more autonomy, although there is no bright line around that. So I guess broadly, my answer would be before saying, yep, we need the psych evaluation. Yep, we need to, to bring the children in because they're being influenced. Let's think about where you are in the process in terms of timelines. Really, what have you done to work with the other party? And what can you do in terms of resolution, even outside of court, as opposed to really just seeking reports? Because when we're seeking reports, we're almost locking ourselves into more litigation as opposed to backing off and seeking a more uh, out-of-court solution. Darren Schmidt. Yeah, I think you're going to need the permission of the court to get that order. So the first step would be if you want to get it, you'd have to bring an application or the, the appropriate um, court filing to then get a court appearance and request that order to be um, granted. That would appoint an expert to do the report. And the second piece to that is um, it's probably the case based on your question that you would be hiring a third party expert to do the report. So you would have to come with a suggestion for the person to do the report. And you might have two or three suggestions in terms of the person to do the report. And you would have had to check with those people in advance that they're available to do the report and that they have the qualifications to do the report, that they're in good standing with the court and good standing with their um, uh, college of uh, psychologists or whatever it might be called in your jurisdiction to do the report. I know in BC, there's maybe 10 or 15 big names that do what we call section 211 reports. Um, outside of those names, it's very rare to get a 211 report with someone else to do the report. Um, and presuming that your ex is going to be opposed to that order being granted, you're going to have to show why it's in the best interest of your kids to go through that, um, reporting process anyway. And, and the court is going to start from the presumption that we, we want to involve your children as little as possible in the litigation. So why would it be in their best interest to go through an in-depth interview process with this psychologist and have the psychologist give a report 
in this case, um, you're going to have to come with some pretty decent evidence to suggest that the level of conflict between you and your ex is significant and that the only way realistically to resolve the issue of parenting time and parental decision-making is to get an expert to give a report for the benefit of the court as an expert to give an opinion as to what's in your children's best interest. And I've seen on a number of occasions, whether it's myself or another lawyer at the firm I'm working with at the, at the time, this has happened at a few firms I've been at, where the lawyers gotten a report for their client and lo and behold, the report isn't going to show what the client thought it was going to show. Um, they go into the process thinking the report is going to be a slam dunk um, and it's either more nuanced than what the client was expecting or it's completely opposite to what the client thought they were going to get and it's actually favorable to their ex. So um, there's, it's never a guarantee. The other thing you have to consider, of course, is it's going to cost you a lot of money. I would think it would at minimum, like the, the lower low end of one of these reports would probably be, um, $8,000, five, $8,000, like for a very simple report and they can climb in excess of $20,000 for, um, a more in-depth report. So keep all that in mind. And hopefully, as you say, Rob, you stepping back, asking why you need that report, how, maybe after you do some analysis around that question, you, you realize maybe you don't need that report to be completed at all. And you're able to come to your own solution about parenting time. So, um, we wish you, we wish you well on that. Um, you gotta be realistic and not just reactionary to any one thing that's happening <clears throat> in the litigation. As the guy says in the question here says, uh, believe the children are being influenced. Well, over what period of time, or is this just an instant reaction to something that happened last weekend? Yeah. So, um, we wish you well. Thank you for uh, sending that in. Let's go to our next question. Um, this listener says, hi, I live in Ontario. I've gotten temporary full custody from CAS. Uh, that might be the provincial child protection services agency in Ontario. I don't know, but it says I have gotten temporary full custody from CAS renewed for two and six months, two times six M supervision orders. I don't know what that means. I also two have six filed, month supervision orders. Yeah, maybe two yeah. two to six months supervision. I have also filed a CLRA case to deal with child support, pensions, travel, etc. I have our settlement conference uh, for our CAS matter coming up in the future, and the CLRA case has not been scheduled yet. Um, she will have to pay me child support, but I have been told I will have to pay her spousal support. Is that correct? I make more money than her. Um, okay. So very little details around this. It looks like child protective services was involved with some supervision orders for the listener. And then now there's a separate family law case dealing with child support, division of pensions and all that sort of stuff. Um, the listener says that the child protective services case is coming up soon. So that's still ongoing and there's nothing really substantively happening on the family law case vis-a-vis -vis her ex. Um, and so the listener says, you know, who's going to be paying child support? Who's going to be paying spousal support? How's all that going to shake down in my family law case? Uh, Rob, with what we know here, what do you think? Yeah, from my read of the question, sounds like there are two tracks of litigation here. One is the child welfare, as you say, the other is all the other family law issues. 
And the child welfare piece is paramount. So that's the parents and the government, which is paramount to that private family uh, law matter where parties are going after each other, party versus party on parenting, all those other things. So in that child welfare piece, there's a settlement conference on that coming up. And that's going to be sitting around the table with the other party and the representative of child welfare saying, what are we doing here? So even though you have that temporary full-time parenting time of your children, that other party likely just has supervised parenting time, what that's looking like, you're just going to be talking about what that parenting time looks like. And I want to draw a parallel here to our divorced and done steps. Because the listener here is talking about spousal support. Uh, I don't know about your spousal support claim. You say you make more money than her, fine. Um, but we're really, we're step two. And in this situation, we're just talking about parenting. Even though you have a separate family law matter case conference scheduled, child welfare is involved. So not only is this parenting between you and the other person, this is parenting between you and the other person subject to what the government thinks. So really put all your efforts into settling that child welfare matter. Darren, we don't often talk about child welfare on this podcast. And you and I have done a little bit of it. Not a lot. We are not child welfare specialists. But I believe from my understanding, from talking with lots of child welfare representatives who I believe are well-meaning and do want the best for children, they see their role as necessarily temporary. And they don't want to remove children from parents. And they don't want to be making what we call in Alberta, PGOs, permanent guardianship orders, meaning children get directed to non-biological parents uh, or otherwise. And not knowing the facts of your matter, I don't know what the position of the government will be on that parenting matter. But their view will likely be, depending on what the parent who has supervised parenting, how quickly can we rehabilitate that person so that they can be the best parent they can be and be involved in their child's life? Whether that's, are you going to be in shared parenting? Maybe, maybe not. Will that person need some more help before they can be a full-time parent? Uh, If the issues are things like alcohol or drug use, what sort of rehabilitative measures need to be met before that other person can have more parenting? So you're squarely at step two. Once that's decided and the child welfare piece either goes for you having more parenting time or not, whatever that looks like, that should decide your fuller parenting picture. From there, you then can think about child support, then you can think about your stuff, and then think about spousal support. In the rare instance, that other person, that parent who has supervised parenting, makes or tries to expedite the spousal support claim in the face of that child welfare matter, I would imagine on the face of it, they will likely owe you child support because you have the children in your care the majority of the time. Likely meaning, probably in the interim, there's very little, if no, spousal support owing. But again, I wouldn't really even get into the substance of that. Your focus right now needs to be squarely on the children, what sort of parenting is going on, and how you're going to resolve that child welfare piece before moving on before moving on to any of the other family law pieces. I think the priority here is just get the Child Protective Services Agency out of the picture as soon as possible, both sides. Like, in, in not not in a 
bring application and litigate against them perspective, but what are both parents doing on this matter to just comply with child protective services uh, requests uh, or existing orders so that they they leave both of you and your ex alone and you can move forward productively without the assistance of the state intervening. I think that's priority number one, which is, of course, step two of our Divorce and Done Steps um, parenting time for minor children. Right now, you have the state that's involved in your case assisting you to some extent on that. But really, this case isn't going to move forward at all um, in, in any productive way with them, the, the, the state, looming over you, right? You're not going to be really able to productively deal with, well, let's divide pensions because really both you and your ex, your mind is turning to, well, we have these temporary orders in place with child protective services and we don't know what the next review is going to look like. And, you know, Billy from child protective services is showing up for another walkthrough of our house, you know, in a couple of weeks. That's actually the most important thing here. Do everything you both can, you and your ex, to just ensure that child protective services goes away because you're both being the best parents you can. After that's resolved, yeah, then you move on and go, what are we doing with child support here? Complete your financial disclosure requirements through the court so that you figure out what your incomes are. And child support flows really easy from that once you know everyone's incomes. And then you can start looking at dividing property and debt and spousal support, which are steps four and five in our divorced and done steps. Don't make things more difficult than they need to be. Right now, your number one priority is how do we just not have child protective services involved in our lives? What can we do? How can we please them so that they move on and deal with other families that need their assistance in that province? And um, I, I think that's your your number one most pressing thing right now. So, And that's <clears> the answer. <throat> Cooperate with child and protective services. They're not the enemy here. They want what's best for your children, just as hopefully both of you do. And they have some concerns yeah. that need and, to be And the people that, I don't know, I, as you say, Rob, you and I don't have a lot of direct experience with that because that is a a technical subset of family law that yes. at least the places that we've practiced, the cities that we've practiced, both for me in BC and Alberta and you in Alberta, um, the lawyer that acts for the Child Protective Services Agency typically gets a government contract to do that work. And they're, of course, they're sort of, I don't know, say prosecuting, but pursuing the uh, child protective services uh, matters in court on behalf of the government. That's their full-time job uh, for the most part, at least everywhere I've been, the child protective services lawyer, that's their full-time job. And many lawyers that do practice for parents going through that process, it's a huge part of their practice. So it's, it's fairly technical, but, but what we can both say is, do everything you can to just comply and work with child protective services. Fighting them isn't going to make this any easier, and it's going to make your family law claim a whole lot difficult, to, more difficult to deal with. So uh, don't do that. Anyway, thank you for the question. All right, let's go to question three. The listener says, hi there. Hello. Hoping you can answer some of these questions on your podcast. We will try. That's what we do here. A uh, listener says, what are the laws in Canada when it comes to terminating parental rights for absence and with no child support being paid? What kind of time frame does the parent need to be absent for in order for their parental rights to be terminated? 
if you took it to court and the other party all of a sudden wanted some visitation, what would be likely to happen? Thanks. Okay, we don't know any specific details. These are sort of general questions, but I'm gathering this listener is going through a case where their ex-spouse is not really involved at all with the child or children and is not also paying child support. And the listener is looking at getting an order from court to terminate the other parent's guardianship and parental decision-making rights. And um, yeah, that, that seems to be the crux of her question here, Rob. So before I, I turn it over to you, I mean, what I, my first thought here is, um, what can you do to reach out to that other parent to just confirm in advance of bringing that application that in fact they would be okay with terminating their parental visitation rights, their guardianship rights, whatever you want to call it, and that they wish to have nothing to do with your children. I think you'd stand in a lot better position going to court if you needed to, if you had reached out and had some substantive correspondence, either through email or text or even phone calls, but I would prefer it to be in writing, that would prove, or there would be some proof there, that your ex does wish to abandon their parental decision-making rights. Because if you just go to court to do it and say, well, they have not been around for the last two years, but then they do show up. Um, I think you'd stand in a lot better position if you'd actually tried to have a constructive conversation about that in advance. And then even if you tried to reach out and then they just didn't respond, I still think you'd be in a better position to go to court to deal with that uh, at a future time. Anyway, um, enough from me. Rob, what do you think? I have very little to add, and I tend to agree with you, Darren. Uh, The notion of bringing applications to terminate parental rights, I've never done that, and I've never seen that. I've had situations where parents have not been involved with children for a period of years or a very long period of time. And in those, and where those parents actually don't contest any court applications, they're just, they're not there. They have abandoned their children. But in those situations, the court doesn't terminate the other parent's ability to be a parent because you're still a parent. And if you're on a birth certificate, you very well could still be a guardian. What a court does in those situations means all decision-making and all decision-making authority goes to the parent who's brought the application and who has care and control of the children. So really, it just means the other parent, you're maybe there, but you're not present. You're not in your children's lives. Mom or dad or whomever has care of the children is the sole decision maker and should have an order for child support. Even though it may not be paid, it's based on what we think that person's income is. So that order continues to run. You can try and enforce it against the other parent, even if you don't know where they are, because your family maintenance office or maintenance enforcement program, family responsibility office will try and enforce that against the other parent because child support isn't your right as the parent of the child. It's the right of the child for the child. Uh, So this notion of how do we terminate another parent or terminate rights, goodbye, never see you again, that's not really how this works because being a parent as those PSAs from the early 90s, and you may remember this, Darren, sex lasts a moment, being a parent lasts a lifetime. Uh, You and I are both well into our 30s, and I like teasing my dad about that when he says, why are you here eating my food, eating my snacks? Uh, Go home to your own house, no dad. Being a sex lasts a moment, being a parent lasts a lifetime. 
that is the answer. So even though parents disappear and can abandon children, sometimes for really awful reasons, sometimes other parents just disappear. They can always come back. You can always come back and make an application. I would actually speak to the other side of this. And if you're a parent listening to this right now going, oh man, I had children two, three, four, five years ago, and I haven't seen them. I haven't talked to them. I haven't paid child support. What's going to happen if I want to see those kids? Has mom or dad, the parent that had care of those children, have they brought an application and have I been terminated as a parent? Is something bad going to happen to me if I go to court? Well, in terms of something bad happening, unless there was something criminal that stemmed out of that initial breakdown, you're always still sort of a parent. Yeah, you'll owe some child support. And yeah, you're probably not going to be shared parenting tomorrow. But courts will always hear applications for people that want to be parents or can be parents that have been parents historically. But they're viewed through the context of is that parenting time appropriate? Maybe, maybe not, and what that can look like in the future. So coming back to the original question, no, you're not going to get a termination application, but you should have sole responsibility uh, for that child or children, especially if the other parent isn't responding to a court application. But as you say, Darren, if this person knows the other parent and can, can, can talk to them, try and get some resolution, and who knows, even if you can't, you bring that court application that person may show up in court and say, yeah, I'm ready, willing, and able, and here to be a parent. I think this just comes back to what are you doing to try and solve this? It sounds like the issue is the other parent isn't showing up, hasn't had any contact, and the question is why? Is it that they don't want to be a part of the children's lives? Is it that they're perceiving that they're not welcome to be part of the children's lives? Absolutely. <clears throat> um so rather than going to court, try and get to the nub of that and try and resolve it. Because if you go to court, there is a risk they show up or there's a risk that they apply after the order is made to set the order aside and start anew. And so that sounds like a big waste of time. And so the best spend of time you, you could do at this point is to reach out and say, look, I'm not happy the fact that you're not around the kids. I... I, you know, it'd be ideal if you were, here's kind of what I think that would look like. It'd be even, even more equally ideal if you paid child support. And, um, you know, I don't want to have to go to court. So please get in touch with me, get, get, respond by date, give them a week or two. And then if that week goes by or two weeks go by, contact them again and go just wanting to make sure that you received the message. Uh, I want to hear back from you. And, then if that expires, then yeah, maybe you, you do file a court application asking for sole decision-making in a child support order. That's worst case scenario because um, we don't want you to have to do that. The ideal thing here would be that your ex-spouse responds and goes, it's a wonderful idea. Thank you for reaching out. I was hoping, I was hoping you would. Uh, I've been really sad about this and I would love to have a relationship with my kids, our kids. And uh, the notion of paying child support is um, totally appropriate. So let's come to an agreement on that and the ball gets rolling and everyone's happy, right? That should be the, that should be the end outcome here, not litigation or going to court to terminate anyone as a parent. That's never fun and it's not ideal. So I echo your comments, Rob, and thank you for sending the questions in. <clears throat> well, those are our questions this week. Darren Schmidt, thank you for being with me. I hope you are well on your way to feeling better and on the mend, both you and your wife. 
Of course, any questions to us, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. And as always, we'd love to get a voicemail, speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. I'm Rob Woodward. This has been Divorced and Done. We look forward to being with you. Again.